Welcome to the Top 3 by E3, a monthly podcast about the intersection between engineering, energy, and project finance. My name is Ginger Elbaum, Managing Director at E3, and I'll be your host today. And today, I'm joined by Al Redmeyer, Head of E3's Oil, Gas, and Chemicals Practice. Welcome, Al. Thanks, Ginger. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Yeah, thanks for coming on today. Um, so I'm really excited about today's topic. Um, as a reminder to our listeners, today is a second session in a series of podcasts regarding hydrogen. Uh, so I'll tell us, tell us what we're going to talk about today. Well, today's topic is green hydrogen specifically. And as we talked about last week, there's really three basic classifications for hydrogen sustainability, and that's green, blue, and gray. And green is the top of the pyramid. They're the, that's the most valuable classification of hydrogen. So what I wanted to talk about is how do you make green hydrogen? Well, uh, at this point in time, it, we typically are using green electricity and electrolysis. So it's pretty simple. Green electricity used to electrolyze water. And when water dissociates, it makes hydrogen on the cathode side and it makes oxygen on the anode side. And then we capture that hydrogen and send it to market. The, the technology that's typically used um, is either broken into two categories. There's proton exchange membrane and alkaline. Alkaline has more history. In fact, when you did science experiments in high school where you did electrolysis of water, maybe you, some of the listeners have done that. You put a cathode and an anode in the water and it starts to bubble and then you can actually um, do the pop test at the top of the tube where the hydrogen comes out and confirm when it pops, you put a spark there, it'll have a little explosion, a tiny explosion. That's the idea anyway. But um, that was alkaline. And so proton exchange membrane or PEM is really what I'm seeing in the industry is being, has the most area of focus and probably the most promise. Uh, some of the advantages of PEM is that it can, it can achieve a fast startup, like within a few seconds. It can be idling indefinitely. And then all of a sudden, when the sun comes up or the wind turbine starts spinning or the hydro dam kicks on, it can go into production mode from a very, in a very rapid manner. The other thing is with alkaline systems, they, they do have um, a very strong alkaline solution that is part of them. And that, that is corrosive and it can it can be a maintenance uh, headache with uh, alkaline. In, in the PEM, you're using really just uh, pure water, purified water. Uh, PEM has very simple maintenance. It's kind of a swap out of components that you do. There's fewer components than alkaline. And it's thought in the industry, and there's a lot of focus on this, that there's more potential to reduce cost with PEM. The other Another key advantage um, is that you make higher pressure hydrogen with PEM. You can get hydrogen up to 40 atmospheres off the cathode side of the membrane. So that's pretty exciting. That's a lot of energy that you get, which is actually generated by the chemical reaction, the electrolysis reaction. That hydrogen is pulled through by the, uh, the cathode, and it can, it can be pulled through a 40 atmosphere pressure differential. That's how strong that reaction is. One more thing about PEM is that it's also the same technology that's used for fuel cells. So, you know, so you would think that you'd be able to set up a system where you can do 
electrolysis when the sun is shining. And then when the sun goes down, you could actually reverse it and do a fuel cell and re-export that power from that hydrogen that you made to the grid as free net energy with the same stack, potentially. Oh, yeah, that's that's really neat. That's exciting. Uh, so what, what are the key elements of a green hydrogen plant then? Right. Good question. Um, well, first of all, we talked about green electricity. So you have to have a source for that. It's got to be either solar, wind, hydropower. I think biomass will qualify. There may be a pathway there or any, any other kind of renewable electricity. And then you'll need an interconnection to that. And the electricity used in electrolysis is significant. So it's a fairly healthy uh, interconnection that you'll need. Um, you know, these, these systems are 25, 50 megawatts that we're going to talk about. And so those are, those are expensive connections. You know, there's millions of dollars that you'll spend, either you or your, your utility will spend to connect you. Um, all that electricity is fed to a rectifier. And what the rectifier does is it converts it from alternating current to direct current. And so that is, um, that's a component of the cost. And typically those are supplied by the electrolysis system uh, vendor. And But the real nugget that they have, the real core piece of technology is the electrolysis stack itself. Mm -hmm. And we call it a stack because it's actually a stack of cells. And these cells are referred to as membrane electrode assemblies or MEAs. So if you start throwing that term around, if you're having a cocktail party and, and you mm -hmm. want to talk about electrolysis <laughs> and you start throwing around MEA, people mm -hmm. are going to go, oh. Those yeah. are all fun, this really fun parties. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> So, uh, so yeah. And then, um, but the, the MEA is, is really interesting. I'm not going to go into it too much now. We're going to stay at the higher level because you asked about the components. Well, the other thing you need is water and you need water treatment. So you have to treat this water to a pretty high polishing is kind of what the term in the industry is. Uh, it's about 10 mega ohm is the specification for the water that you supply to the stack. And then you have to have cooling because a lot of the energy that you feed this green energy, actually the inefficiency ends up as heat that you have to remove from the system. So you cool that. So you need a cooling tower or aerial fan or something like that to remove that heat. And, um, and it's kind of intricate. Like you've got to feed all this water to these stacks and you've got to remove the heat. And then you got to feed all this electricity. So there's a lot of wire and, and pipes and small pipes and things like that that go into these systems. Then once you make your hydrogen and you get it at the 40 bar, if you're using PEM, uh, you may even have to compress it further for storage because 40 bar storage is pretty expensive. Uh, you really want to be at a higher, a higher pressure than that, maybe, um, you know, maybe 100 or, or more, mm -hmm. 100 bars or more. And, um, and then you store it, you can store it as a compressed gas, you can store it as a liquid, or you can convert it to ammonia. And I think some of the bigger applications may be looking at ammonia, because ammonia makes a very efficient carrier of hydrogen. Uh, we'll get into that in a future podcast as well. And then all of this has to be in a secure facility, and you'll need operators and um, lighting, communications, things of that. So you, you've got to have a pretty a pretty tight facility at the end of the day that because there's a lot of components in here that you don't want uh, people exposed to. Sure. So 
so you know I'll, i mean you've got your you know potentially a cooling tower you've got your um you know, electrolysis units, your rectifiers. So uh, how big are these um, PEM electrolysis facilities? I mean, how big is, what kind of acreage are we looking at here? Right, yeah. Well, currently a world scale PEM facility is about 10 megawatts, but Mm -hmm. there are some in development that are, I know I know of at least a 20 megawatt and and there's other sizes and and actually we're working we've worked on a 25 megawatt size mm-hmm. as well as up to 50 megawatts. So we know these things are are going to be bigger. And um for that size facility you need about well for the 25 something like 2 acres of land and maybe for the 50 like 5 acres and that that gives you enough room to have a safe, maintainable facility. The other thing on size is that the stack sizes themselves. So in each uh, in each electrolysis unit, you'll have multiple stacks. And so these stack sizes are increasing. Um, just a couple of months ago, when we were working on a project, we were looking at a one megawatt stack. And uh, just a few weeks ago, um, it seemed like everybody was all of a sudden offering 1.25 megawatt stacks. So that's a significant jump in a short period of time. And that's the kind of development and cost reduction that we think we're going to see continue. I think those stack sizes will get bigger and um, that'll reduce cost. Right. So, so to, Al, to scale a facility, you increase the number of stacks. Is that what I'm hearing? Yes, that's right. It really is. It's very modular that way. So you, you add more stacks, you get more hydrogen, takes more electricity. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Interesting. Uh, so what is the, what's the capital cost for a green hydrogen plant? Right. Yeah. Well, the main cost is the, is the stack cost, the PEM stack costs. Um, and those you get from a specialty company, uh, Plug Power or Nell or, or others. And um, those really set the capital cost pretty much. But we believe that cost reductions are, are going to be driving those costs down. But the all-in cost for facility, you know, when we look at compression and we look at a little bit of storage and we look at the cooling tower and all that stuff and the facility itself, it comes in about a little less than a million dollars per megawatt for an installed cost. Okay. Interesting. And then how much hydrogen do you make per megawatt then? Right. Yeah. Um Currently, you know, the efficiency of PEM electrolysis is in the range of 58 kilowatt hours per kilogram. That works out to be about a 57% efficiency. And so if we envision a 25 megawatt installation, that'll produce about 3.7 million kilograms in a year. And so what is the, so what is that, what is the cost to produce a kilogram of hydrogen then? Well, it's uh, it's kind of high, actually, at this point in time. We're hoping it comes down with new developments, but it's very highly dependent on electricity cost. Mm-hmm. You know, when we think about electricity in an industrial setting, maybe the lowest cost you can imagine is something like four cents. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're looking at off-peak electricity or, or you're looking at uh, excess uh, generation from a solar field that, you know, that has no market, maybe because there's not enough distribution or transmission. You know, you can imagine maybe it gets down to a cent and a half or something like that. But if we look at the four cent electricity, the cost just for the electricity 
and the operations and some capital recovery would be about $2.78 per kilogram. Um, now, of that, the electricity component is something like 85% of the cost. And so if you look at just the electricity component and compare it, it's about $20 per million BTU of hydrogen. And if you compare that to natural gas, you're looking at $3, you know, I don't know, it depends where you're at in the natural gas market, but you might be looking at $3 to $4 per million BTUs. So it's a significant premium, but you know, what's, what's nice about hydrogen is it's storable. And, you know, and the storage aspects of hydrogen are what, what's really driving the uh, driving the industry and driving everybody to take a good look at it. Right, right. Well, and you know, we we attended and you spoke at the hydrogen Platts Hydrogen Conference recently, and they were talking right. about you know um, green hydrogen um, and comparing that to battery storage. So you know, storage is a really interesting you know component and uh, potential here in long term storage. Mm-hmm. Right. So so I'll so would this be considered efficient? Yes, I mean, I think when you compare it. Um, to battery storage, for instance, it looks very efficient uh, on the storage basis. On the production side, a lot of this excess energy goes into the inefficiency is generates excess heat, which you have to remove and you have to cool and basically uh, send that to the atmosphere. If there was a way, you know, if we can come up with a way to reuse that heat, uh, and there are some cycles, I think, that could be adapted for this, um, that would greatly improve the efficiency. Because basically about 40% of the electricity has to be removed as heat right now. So if you could recover, you know, even half of that, it would make a big, big difference. But um, overall, the efficiency is about 57 57% as it, as it stands. Interesting. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, so Al, I mean, you know, it's top three by E3. So what are the top three points that you'd like, uh, that you would like for our listeners to walk away with today? Right. Yeah, I think... The first one is is a basic point, and and it we've talked a lot about PEM proton exchange membrane, and I think our listeners can take away that that really is where we're seeing the most focus for uh, development, research, as well as future installations. Um, the second one would be if you kind of have an idea of of a hydrogen project and you think in terms of one million dollars per megawatt installed, you're going to be in pretty good shape. It's somewhere around there. And then as you think about the efficiency, the overall efficiency is about 57%. And when you start comparing that across for storage, um, it actually looks pretty pretty attractive as a storage mechanism. All right. Well, Al, thank you. This has been really interesting, um, as always. And, you know, I appreciate your coming on today. And, uh, you know, thank you to our listeners for listening today. Uh, This is a reminder, again, I I mentioned at the beginning, but uh, this is the second session in a series on hydrogen. So there uh, will be more to come. But if you have any questions about hydrogen or oil, gas and chemicals or have any suggestions for future hydrogen um, podcast topics, feel free to reach out to us at E3CO at e3co.com. And thanks again for listening. And Al, thanks again. Appreciate your time. Thanks, Ginger. 